It's good to be in the middle of the series that we're in because this is one of those series that challenges us. If you've been here for the past several weeks, you, uh, you know that we have been in this series called The Be Attitudes, Eight Keys to a Blessed Life. And uh, we're covering the portion of Scripture known as the Beatitudes. Uh, the Beatitudes are found in Matthew chapter 5. It's the, the beginning of Jesus as he delivers the famous Sermon on the Mount. And basically what we find here in the Beatitudes, we find Jesus introducing himself to the world. This is kind of his, his opening message. This is what he wants the world to know him as. And so if you want to know Jesus and want to know what Jesus is about, it's probably a good thing to look at what Jesus had to say when he's introducing himself, right? If you want to know who I'm about, uh, probably the first couple of things I'm going to say to you are the things that I feel are most important about telling you who I am. This is Jesus telling us who he is. And not only is Jesus telling us who he is, Jesus is telling us what we will look like as we become his followers. Now, as we've walked through these, we've, um, we've gone through the first four of the Beatitudes. And we're, so today we're on the fifth, and there will be eight in total. One of the things that we found is that each Beatitude builds on the one that came before it. So if you're here this morning, I, I, want, to, uh, I want to give you a, a, an out if you haven't been here or you haven't been walking through this, I want to give you an out to say what we're talking about this morning, you don't go straight to this to apply it. And so if you look at uh, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy and you say, well, I'm having a really difficult time showing mercy or being merciful, that's because you've really got to start back at the beginning with blessed are the poor in spirit. The reason this builds upon itself is because we see the, the, the journey of the Christian life. So if you aren't a Christian, it's going to be hard to show the fruit of a Christian. We're in the, we're in the season of the year where, where trees are starting to produce their fruit. That's why we have the pollen outside. Those things are starting to take place. And the only fruit that can come from a given tree is the fruit of that tree's type, right? You're never going to find an apple tree with an orange growing from its branches. You'll never, when I grew up, we had these little peach trees that, that surrounded our driveway, and we would, we would bring in peaches uh, each year, and we had a pear tree out beside our house. I never saw those trees alternate which one had the different fruits on it. The peach trees always had the peaches on it. The pear tree always had pears on it. It was never flipped around or reversed. The same is true in the Christian life. You are never going to be able to produce Christian fruit unless you are a Christian. Okay? I mean, it's just simple. Uh, and so when we come to this, this text, blessed are the merciful, if you're not a Christian, this is not a value judgment or anything of that nature, it's just going to be difficult for you to ever consistently produce the fruit of mercy in your life. Uh, it, it's something that comes through a walk with God. And so as we look through this, we started with blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, the poor in spirit, it was, we, we kind of dissected that and decided, what does that mean? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? And basically, it is coming to the terms, and it's a great starting point for any of us because we can all be here. It's the place where we come to our point before God and say, I'm bringing nothing to the table when it stands to my eternal security and salvation. It's, it's this realization that I can't do anything that's going to bring salvation to me. I cannot save myself. And so blessed are the poor in spirit because that is the place we've got to start at. You've got to come to the point where you are 
recognizing we bring nothing to the table. And then the, the next beatitude, the next week we looked at, blessed are those who mourn. And yes, there's definitely the characteristic of mourning over, uh, over loss. There's mourning over uh, hardships and different struggles that we go through. But really where Jesus is taking us through this is not just in the mourning over the losses of life, but it's that mourning from the realization that I am poor in spirit. It's the mourning from the fact that I'm bringing nothing to the table. And so uh, the Bible tells us in Romans, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's poor in spirit. When I realize and understand that verse, I'm poor in spirit. And then when I come to the next, the, the, this other verse in Romans, and the wages of sin is death, that brings mourning. That, that causes me to mourn my own sin because I realize, I begin to understand how, how dangerous the situation I'm in. And not just me, but every human that's ever lived on this earth. All of sin, we're all poor in spirit, we're, we're all poor in spirit, whether we realize it or not. We're all, we all have that same spiritual poverty. It's coming to the realization that we're there. Then we come before God and we mourn our sinfulness and say, God, I, I have no hope in myself because I can't fix this. And we can all come to these places. And then the next week we looked at blessed are the, are the meek or the humble. And this is not just a personality characteristic. But it's this nature of, I am submitting myself to the authority of Lord Jesus Christ. I am humbling myself. I am submitting to myself. So the original language of this is, is uh, referred to like a, a beast, a, a, you know, a, a work animal. And it was one that was used to the hand. It had been broken by its master. And so now this a wild beast that had all this strength, it wasn't out of control anymore. Now that it is used to the hand, it has been broken. It is now put to good use under the kingdom. We all, we, what we bring to the table is wild, and it's going all these sorts of places. It doesn't get us where we need to go, but when we are used to the master's hand, when we place ourselves in submission to Jesus, when we are truly meek, then we begin to move in the direction that God's called us to go. And so, so those first three characteristics they did, these first three Beatitudes, they deal with our need. And then last week, we moved to the next one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And what we find in that Beatitude is we move from what our need is to now what our life becomes because of the, the saving work of Jesus in our life. These aren't steps to become a Christian. It's the picture of what it is to be a Christian. And so for a Christian, when we when we've understand we bring nothing to the table, we've mourned over our sin, and we've submitted ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, then he creates within us a hunger and thirst for righteousness. We begin to crave righteousness. Yesterday I went down to Atlanta and I was a part of a, I got to participate in a little knife-making class. And it went from the morning, it started at 10.30, but we had to be there at 10. And it went till 3.30, and they told us ahead of time, you're not going to stop for lunch. Now, that affected me a little bit. So we went to breakfast beforehand, and I got a big old, I got a chicken, egg, and cheese biscuit. Chicken, egg, and cheese, yes, I like the mother and her baby, all right? Got it all. I ate a chicken, egg, and cheese biscuit, and uh, around 2 o'clock rolls around, and I'm, 
you know, we all have our little anvils where we're working. And this young man, he's a senior in high school. He's standing next to me. And, he said, and part of the process was there was some wood that was being burned on a, on a stump as we were kind of grinding out the, the, the knives. And uh, this guy says, I don't know if it's, the, if it's that wood-burning smell, but I'm getting hungry all of a sudden. I said, buddy, it's 2 o'clock. We missed lunch. We start craving things, but the, the, nature, the nature of a Christian is that we crave righteousness. We want to be more like Jesus. And if you want to, if you want to take a, a, a step back and look at your life, and if you have doubts about whether you're saved or not, I want to ask you, do you ever crave being more like Jesus? Because if you're a Christian, you're going to crave being more like Jesus. Now we start... I will tell you, sometimes we can crowd those cravings out and we can feed other things and they take over. But somewhere within the life of a Christian is a craving, a desire, a hunger, and a thirst for righteousness. So that, that becomes our life. Where we're going this week and over the next couple of weeks, we move from what the life of a Christian looks like. Now we begin to see the fruit. We started with our need and then we saw our life. Now we see our fruit as a believer. And once again, You've got to start at the beginning to get right here. You can't start with the fruit or that fruit's going to go bad, right? If you go to, if you go to the grocery store and buy a bag of fruit, you can set that bag of fruit in your house and eventually it's going to rot and go bad. It's not able to reproduce itself. So even a non-Christian may be able to, do, to grab a piece of this fruit from time to time, but it's not lasting. It's got to be only in the life of a believer is Christian fruit able to perpetuate and continue to move forward. So that's where we're at today. So if you've got your Bible, Matthew chapter 5, and I just want to read through these first uh, Beatitudes again to, to lead us up to where we're at today. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 1. It says, when he saw the crowds, and this is Jesus, he went up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled or satisfied. And then our verse for today, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we are moved and challenged and, and, and just um, in awe of what you do in our lives and the transforming work of salvation, of how you, uh, how you allow our old self to die. And in the life of a believer, the life that we live is no longer our own, but God, is your life being lived through us. And God, I pray for the believers in this room today, those who have given their life to you, that have trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, I pray that today would be a, a challenging message where we, are, we, we see what our life should look like. And God, if there's uh, places where we're not finding mercy being, being a characteristic of our daily life, Lord, we'll start to stop and say, God, where, where have I gone off track? Lord, where have my cravings taken me in the wrong direction? And God, how can I show mercy the way you show mercy? God, help us to grow and to become more mature in our faith. Lord, you don't save us and stop. Lord, you save us to grow us. And Lord, I pray that each one of us in here would be open and ready 
to grow and to become more mature followers of Jesus. God, I pray if there's, there's some in here who have not yet taken that step, they've never, they've never come to a place where they're ready to place their faith and trust in you and trust you and submit to you as Lord and Savior. God, I pray that today would be that day. Lord, I pray that today you would help them to see that they bring nothing to the table for their own salvation. I hope that you would, that, that you would help them to see that based on their sin, Lord, there's no hope except in Jesus. And Lord, I pray that they would submit their lives to you and follow you and gladly call you King and Lord of their lives. Lord, speak to us through this message, through your word. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Mercy. Mercy is a, uh, it's a fruit, as I said, it's, it's a difficult fruit to, to come up with on your own. And I'm certainly glad that the Beatitudes don't start with mercy, right? That would be tough. Because we just can't start there. It takes this working in our life to bring us up to this point. If God just said, if you want a blessed life, you need to show mercy, and I'm starting from scratch, I'm out of luck. I'm just not going to have a blessed life because I just don't have this mercy gene that rises up within me naturally. Some of you are probably similar in that, right? Let's just be honest for a moment. This is audience participation. No, no judgments in here, okay? We're all, we're all okay. We're family. This is Center Hill. Welcome home. All right, we're, we're family. How many of us sometimes have a difficult time showing mercy? Just raise your hand. Okay, all right, good, good, good. <laughs> if you raise your hand, you're in good company, all right? That means we all have room to grow. It means we all have a place where God wants to develop within us. That means we're all at the right place. We're ready for God to do something within us. Mercy is difficult. What is mercy? Well, mercy is, I want you to hear this. Mercy is the compassion that opens the doorway to forgiveness. I want you to think through that. Mercy and forgiveness, they're not exactly the same thing. Forgiveness is the next level from mercy, but mercy is the door, this compassion that opens the doorway for us to get to forgiveness. It's hard to forgive people, right? If you have problems showing mercy, it's also likely that you have difficulties forgiving people. But mercy is that process that begins us there. If we want to understand what mercy is and what it looks like, it's helpful for us to have a role model to see what mercy truly is. And I've got great news for you. The Bible has a beautiful picture of mercy. In fact, throughout the Bible, we have pictures of mercy because God himself demonstrates mercy time after time after time after time. In the Old Testament, it is common for you to see God either introducing himself or someone speaking on behalf of God, and it, it refers to God as the Lord who is merciful. If we want to understand mercy, we've got to go to the perfect source of mercy. This is the expert opinion. There's no better expert opinion than go to God himself because God shows mercy in great ways. He is the God of mercy. I believe that's what stands out about Christianity in the, in the scope of all the world religions is that our God is a God of mercy. Because if God wasn't a God of mercy, we wouldn't have any hope. We, we're, we're out of luck. We can't, we can't attain to the standard of perfection. 
We can't attain to the righteousness of God on our own. It's, we are dependent. We're totally dependent on God's mercy to allow us to come before Him. Ephesians chapter 2, this is just one example of, of what God is, how He works in us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, this is how Paul describes God. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love He had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. So folks, if you need mercy in your life, you're in good company because we all do. We all have, the time, have this consistent time and place where we need God's mercy. And I never come to a point where I've, I've got to the point where I don't need God to show me mercy anymore. I don't come to, my, to a place in life like, you know, I really lived holy this week. And I don't need God's mercy for this week. It got, I covered this week. No, my, my best deeds are like filthy rags before the Lord. And so I am daily, constantly, minute by minute, second by second, every moment that I have breath in my body, I am in need of the mercy of God, and He offers it. He gives it to us. If you're beating up on yourself, if you know you've got some problems, if you know you've got some troubles, and you know you've got some faults in your life, I've got great news for you. The fact that you're still here means God's showing you mercy. And in the fact that you walked into a church this morning where the gospel is going to be preached means that God has a message for you that you get to have mercy, that you get to be a recipient of God's mercy. No one's here by accident. We're here by the great, mighty, powerful hand of God that he brought us to this place where we receive mercy. God is the God of mercy. And if we want to see the examples of mercy, you just look at God throughout his scriptures, throughout the word. Time after time after time, reading through the Old Testament, New Testament. Sometimes people are like, well, the Old Testament God's mean. You know what? The Old Testament God was full of mercy. In fact, the Old Testament God is, is mentioned being a God of mercy more often than it is in the New Testament. You see the God of mercy throughout the Old Testament. God is a God of mercy. And that's who we get to worship. And so that brings us to this place. God's the God of mercy. And you want an example, and I, I could spend the rest of the message, and I could probably spend the rest of the year just showing you examples of God's mercy. But I'm going to give you a little work to do. If you need examples of God's mercy, get in your Bible. It won't take long to find it because it is throughout scriptures. You see God's merciful hand at work. But the question for us is, how do I display mercy? I see God do it, showing mercy, but how do I bring that home? How do I Show it in my life. How do we display mercy? I want to give you three areas this morning that I believe that every believer should look to show mercy in our lives. All right? You ready? Buckle up. All right? We're going to go. The first area, these are, I, I'm going to tell you, they're tough. And it takes God doing it in you and through you. But this is where we're called to. How do we display, display mercy, first of all? We display mercy, and I'm starting off with a tough one. We display mercy to those who have wronged us. If you need to get up and leave, that's okay. I understand. We need to display mercy to those who have wronged us. And you can be wronged on so many levels. You can be hurt on so many levels. 
And we live in a day and age where people, uh, and I don't think it's, it's unique to 2019, I think this is the nature of mankind, we've always been selfish. We've always looked out for number one, and it's displayed in different ways, but the fact is mankind is sinful. When we interact with people, we interact in sinful ways, and we end up hurting one another. We say something that we shouldn't have said. We do something we shouldn't have done. We take something we shouldn't have taken. We're hurtful in the ways that we do, in the ways that we live, in, in, in this day and age where we're so inter, uh, interconnected with one another. We don't live off by ourselves in a commune. All of us live in community. We share roads with one another. We share places where we get food and resources from. We share workplaces with one another. We share places where our, where our kids and students are educated together. We share so much. And anytime people are brought together and having to do life together, we bump up against each other and we have some hurt feelings at times. And we have some true hurts that, inter, that happen when we interact with one another. You're not going to have to think hard about the last time someone has offended you or hurt you. But that's someone that God's telling you to show mercy to. The person who has hurt you is the person that God's calling you to show mercy to. You know, it'd be easy to show mercy on the people who are always good to us, but the only problem is they don't need mercy from us. We're called to show mercy to those who have Forgiveness, uh, there's a pastor, he's a Scottish pastor named Colin Smith, and he, he gives a pretty good de description or, or, or path to showing uh, mercy, displaying mercy to those who have wronged us, and he, he gets it from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 through 32. I want you to go ahead and flip over there if you would, because this, this is good, um, <clears throat> this little journey of forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4, and you can... We'll come back to Matthew chapter 5, but we're going to say the same thing again. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So you might can have that one memorized by the time we come back to it. Ephesians chapter 4 gives us this path of showing mercy to those who have wronged us. I'm going to read these verses to you, and then we'll walk through it. Paul writes, And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander, be removed from you along with all malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. So you ask, what does that have to do with display and mercy? Let's, let's walk through this thing step by step. The first thing I want you to see is that we need to remember that the Holy Spirit lives within you, right? Now this is for Christians, all right? If, you, if you've not yet come to the place where you've trusted Christ, you're going to have a hard time doing this because you can't start with this starting point of remembering the Holy Spirit lives within, within you. However, you could have that by the time you leave here today. So you're good, all right? You're, you're, you're not good yet, but you're, you're going to be good if you follow God's leading in the Holy Spirit. All right, so remember the Holy Spirit lives in you. Look again there at verse 30. Don't grieve God's Holy Spirit because you were sealed by him. If we want to show forgiveness to someone who has wronged us, instead of going directly and thinking about the person that wronged us, it's probably a better idea to stop and think about the fact that God's Holy Spirit lives within me. And so that what I'm about to do, it's not me working it up. This isn't rando being able to forgive somebody. It's not rando being able to show mercy to somebody. It's God's Holy Spirit through me performing that action. 
And if we can't come to that place, we're just trying to work it up in our own nature, and that's just not going to happen. It's, it begins with God's Holy Spirit within you. Rem- remember God's Holy Spirit, because we were sealed by Him. Secondly, don't dwell on the injury. Don't dwell on what someone did to you. Don't dwell on the way that they hurt you. Because you know what happens when you start dwelling on the injury that someone did to you? You allow them to injure you again and again and again and again. When we let that thing just keep coming to mind, it is giving that injury more power than it deserves. It's giving it more staying power in our life. Don't dwell on the injury that someone did to us. Dwell on God's Holy Spirit. Don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. And then it says, let all bitterness, anger, and wrath. We'll come back to these next words, but this this statement continues. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath be removed from you. Say, God, I know your Holy Spirit lives within me. And God, I need to stop focusing on the hurt. And I need to start focusing on the healer. I need to start focusing on the right things and not dwelling on on the injury. The next, the next statement that Colin Smith gives us, but he finds it here in Scripture, is once again here in verse 31. It let all bitterness anger. And then it says, shouting and slander, let that also be removed from you, along with all malice. Perhaps one of the worst things that we can do if we're trying to show mercy to someone is think that, well, before I can show mercy, we've really got to go have it out. I need to go let them have a piece of my mind first. Now, that's what our nature is, right? You strike me, I strike you. You say something to me, I say something back to you. We, we, we go back and forth with this, but that's not what God's called us to. God's called us to say, hey, put all that stuff behind you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives within you. you. You don't have to do that stuff. You don't have to go defend yourself. You don't have to go fight the fight here. Just think of how many problems just get exacerbated because we start fussing and fighting about it. Think about how many problems at home just get worse because we get in yelling and screaming matches. That stuff doesn't help. It hurts. And it's certainly not displaying the mercy of God. Can you imagine God having a screaming fit about something? Heaven forbid if he does. <laughs> He'd be sending lightning bolts and lions and all sorts of stuff. Like, they, you can't win that fight. God, God doesn't get into that fight. He shows mercy. And if we want to be Christ-like, we step back away from the, the, the fighting. We step back from the yelling and say, you know what? I, I'm not going to do this even though I want to. Even though my nature's telling me to do this, God in me showing me I don't have to. And if you've hurt me, perhaps the best way I can show mercy to you is, is step back and don't let the fight go on. Have you ever tried to fight with someone that won't fight? It usually doesn't work. It usually just doesn't work. You're diffusing the situation. You win the fight when you refuse not to fight. So, we remember the Holy Spirit lives in us. We don't dwell on the injury. We don't fight and quarrel, and then it leads us to this next thing, that we should have compassion on the one who hurt us. 
He says in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. When you've been wronged, it's helpful for you to stop and, and consider the person standing in front of you. Consider the offender. If you've come to the place where you're, will, you're not going to fuss, you're not going to fight, you're not going to get into it, consider the offender for a moment. It's a person that God loves. You don't know who offended me. I do know the God who saves them. You don't know how evil they were to me. I know God's love is above all, is more powerful than any evil they could have committed. I know, I know whoever offended you in life, I know whoever hurt you in life, that God loved them so much that he sent his only son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for their sins. I know that. And if I stop in the midst of my own struggle and say, you know what, this person hurt me, but I need to show compassion on them, I need to stop and have the compassion of God. And it's available to me because God lives within me through the Holy Spirit. See how this all works together? It's not just, you're not just picking and choosing and plucking different qualities and natures to have. This is God's Holy Spirit living through us. We have compassion on the one who hurt us. Forgiving one another. You know what makes it easier to forgive someone? It's when we stop to realize we'll need forgiveness at some point too. Because I'll just about guarantee you, for every person that's offended you, you've probably offended someone else. The equations balance out somewhere. <laughs> and who cares? If, so say the end of your life, you've been offended 7,432 times and you've only offended people 5,432 times and the, the, you need forgiveness. That doesn't ma- it doesn't matter who's winning and who's losing. The fact is we all need to be forgiven. And our sins are just as sinful as the other person's sins. The, the, the fact that we walk away from God, we refuse to do what God has called us to do, those are sins that are needed of forgiveness. And so when someone's hurt you, Stop and have compassion on them, realizing I'm going to need someone else to have this same compassion on me. And ultimately, we all need God to have compassion on us. We're all in the same place. And then finally, the last thing you can do is savor your forgiveness in Christ. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. How? Just as God also forgave you in Christ. We're not waiting to the day that we meet Jesus for him to say, okay, I've been thinking about this thing. I've been weighing your life out here and there. And now that you're standing before the gates of heaven, let me think, am I going to forgive you for your life? No, no, no. Forgiveness happened at the cross. That's a past thing. That happened in the past. God already forgave you. In fact, God's forgiveness is available for all of us. That forgiveness is in the past. Someone asked me, uh, what, what about the future sins? Do I need to continue to ask for God to forgive those? You need to go before God and confess your sins to have restoration and relationship. But forgiveness is from, from past, present, and future. When God forgave my sins, they were all in the future. They're all, they're, they're all coming. He knew how wicked and sinful I was, and he forgave them all. I've heard people say, well, you know, the unpardonable sin is suicide. 
because you can't ask for forgiveness for that. That's bad theology. I'm, I'm not trying to encourage suicide out there, but it's hurtful for folks that, that have a loved one who goes through that and think that that automatically means that they're eternally separated from God. There's a lot of issues that, that people struggle with that get them to that point. If they have given their life to Christ, even if their mental issues took them to a point where they committed that act, God already forgave it. It's not an issue of when you commit the act. It's that God forgives way back in the past. And if we want to forgive others, we need to remember we're already forgiven. And forgiven people forgive people. How do we display mercy? It needs to happen first with those who offend us. Secondly, I'm gonna go through, that was the longest one, all right? Tr- trust me. Who else do we need to display mercy to? We need to display mercy on those who are in need. Display mercy to those who are in need. Maybe not someone who's offended you, but someone who's just in need of some mercy. I want to read a quick story. And you, many of you will be familiar with this story from Luke chapter 10. Jesus, was going, Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road. When he saw him, he passed by the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. And as Jesus told that story, he got to the point of the story by asking this question. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And they answered by saying, the one who showed mercy to him. And Jesus told him, go and do the same. See, mercy is not always about someone who hurt us. Sometimes we find people along the way who are in just in need of some mercy. They're in need of some help. They're, in, and they're all around us. But here's what we, here's what we do. And, 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 folks, this is, this is a place where we as Christians, we, we've got to figure things out. Because I, f- I feel like we put blinders on to the hurt around us. And we just don't want to see it. And we, we pretend it's not there. Folks, there are folks around us who are in desperate need of someone to show them some mercy. It may be a financial need. I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you saw a homeless person on the side of the road? What were your thoughts about that person? Did you think, I'm not going to give them anything because they'll probably just go spend it on beer? Did you think that? They'll probably just go buy more drugs with the money if I give it to them. I'm not trying to pick on you because heart of hearts, just is being gut level honest. That's what I think sometimes. What do you think that good Samaritan would have done though? That's what he found. He found someone beaten up, broken, and destitute. You know what he could have thought? Well, he probably deserved it. He got beat up. He, he probably was somewhere he shouldn't have been in the first place. 
He shouldn't have been making the decisions that he made. He got him in his own mess. If I fix things for him, he'll probably just find, wind himself back up there in the next time. Probably the, best, the most loving thing I could do would let him pay for his own mistakes and he'll figure out his lessons. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said the one who showed mercy was the one who stopped and took care of him, helped bring him back to healing, who took him and went above and beyond to make sure this guy was taken care of. We've got to be people who show mercy in church. We're the ones that we've got to lead the way in the world. Why? Because we've got the Holy Spirit living within us, driving us to that. And will it mean we get taken advantage of sometimes? Absolutely. But you know what? The worst thing in the world isn't that you're taken advantage of. I would much rather be taken advantage of than never give someone the opportunity to take advantage of me. And that's, that, that, that is counter to the ways of the world. That's counter to what we teach our children. That's counter to everything. But compassion, mercy, means we show mercy even if we think they don't deserve it. Because let's remember again, we're all sinners. We were all in need of mercy. We were all in need of compassion. And Jesus stopped to save us. You want to show mercy? Find someone in need. It may be financial need. It may be spiritual need. It may be some relational family or job or whatever need. They're around us. They're all around us. Let's find those people and show love, compassion, and mercy. So how do we display mercy? We show it to those who have wronged us. We display mercy to those who are in need. And then lastly... We need to show mercy to ourselves. We need to show mercy to ourselves. Have you ever heard someone say, I know God forgives, but I can't forgive myself. I hear it all the time. I see that attitude all the time. I, I see us wearing, wearing this, this unforgiveness for our own misdeeds. And we hold back these back closets of our life and say, I did some wicked deed way back in the past, but I can't forgive myself for that. God already did. God forgave you of that. And for you to hold on to that and not show mercy to yourself is putting yourself with a higher standard than God has himself. What is the basis of God's forgiveness for our sins? It's the blood of Jesus. God paid for our sins, paid for our penalties. He paid the debt that we couldn't pay, and it cost him the blood of Jesus. And so for us to come to the point where we say, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. We're saying Jesus' blood's not enough for me to find forgiveness for my own sins. That it's going to be more than just Jesus' forgiveness. Or maybe we just say that we're a lost cause and it's never going to be able to be forgiven. That's not true. That's just not true. If, if the blood of Jesus is good enough to satisfy the Father, why shouldn't it be enough? For us to forgive ourselves. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. 
Sin had cast a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Folks, some of us are, some of us are stuck at this point. We're stuck at this point in the Beatitudes, and we can't go any further because we have refused to show mercy to our own selves. And I believe God has called us to lay those past sins down before God and let him remind us that he's already forgiven them and move forward. Stop being crippled into the past when God has paid for you to be far beyond that. Mercy. What does it mean for us? We need to look to God for the example. Mercy is the compassion that provides the doorway to forgiveness. And we want to get in forgiveness, it's, it, it's the whole next level of this. It's restoring relationship to those who have wronged us. It's, all, it's the next thing, but it begins with us showing mercy. We show mercy to those who have wronged us. We show mercy to those who are in need. And we need to show mercy to ourselves. And so what I want to ask you this morning is which of those three areas are you struggling with the most right now? Which of those three, and maybe you look at it and say, you know what, Pastor, I'm struggling with all three equally. They're all tough. That's okay. Where's God calling you to through this? What would God, where's the next step that God wants you to take through this? I believe God wants us to be a people of mercy. And that when people look at us, we don't become a place of judgmentalism. That people don't walk in here and say, well, I'm not going to go into the church because they'll just judge me. No, I, I want them to come to church and say, man, I, I love being around those people. They're so merciful. They're kind and they're loving. And whatever mess I've got going on in my life, they still welcome me in. And they're okay that I messed up when I'm, I get there. And then they want to help me move beyond the mess. I love it. That's what, the, that's what the testimony of the church should be. And so, church, let's do that. Let's strive for mercy. I'm going to ask you if you would for, for just a moment. I'm going to ask you if you would. Bow your head and close your eyes. I just want you to take a moment to allow God to speak to you. Our musicians, they're going to kind of be moving this way. So if you hear people moving around, that's, we're about to have a time of response, and that's what this is. But while we're doing this, I want you to ask God, God, is there a place where I need to be showing mercy? Is there some area of my life, is there someone who's wronged me that I haven't let it go? Is there, have I been ignoring the needs around me? Or am I struggling to forgive myself? Am I struggling to have mercy on myself? I believe God wants to help you move beyond that. And so perhaps during this time, we're going to have a time of response. Maybe your next step is just to get down here at the altar and get down before the Lord and say, God, I need you to show me mercy in this to help me grow so that when I leave here today, I will be closer to you. I'll be different than I was when I walked in. And that tomorrow I'll be closer to you and my walk will demonstrate the life of Jesus more. This hunger and thirst for righteousness, it is now being shown through my desire to be a person of mercy. Perhaps you're here today and you, you're, you're one who realizes you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and that you may be sensing right now that today is the day that you need to do that. If that's you, I'm going to ask you as soon as we begin the time of response, if you'll come walk down that aisle and I'll be standing down here, our student pastor Andrew will be standing down here, come take one of us and just say, hey, I need to, I need to be saved. That's all you need to know. We'll help you, we'll help you take those next steps. That perhaps, maybe, not perhaps, that will be the most important decision 
of your life. And I pray that you'll make it today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. God, we thank you for mercy. Lord, help us to be people of mercy. Help us to be people who display mercy in every area of our life. God, I pray if there's someone who needs to trust you as their Lord and Savior, God, today would be that day. And Lord, I pray that if there's some area of growth in the lives of believers, Lord, that we would grow in those places as well. God, this is your time. You move in the ways that you will. And we trust you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. We'll sing. You respond however God leads you this morning.